This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. This is Less Than Live with Cater Die, a bi-weekly podcast about comics from all angles. I'm going to talk to you about what I'm reading and doing in the industry, as well as interviewing some of my friends and favorite creators. So come along with me on this journey into geek culture. show, I've got a bunch of recommendations for fall-friendly comics and graphic novels, news about New York Comic Con, and a really fun interview with Jeff Jacks of Questionable Content about tattoos, Patreon, and death metal. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to episode six. I've missed you. (laughs) I have been in um, Massachusetts a lot. I went to Boston Comic Con and stayed for a week with some friends in Northampton, the guys who run my merch company, Tobatico. Hi, Jeffrey. Hi, Holly. (laughs) So that was really fun. And then I came back, and then I unexpectedly went back to Northampton for a week and stayed with them again. Hi, Jeffrey. Hi, Holly. Um, That was fun and uh, strange, but I had a lot of work to do when I was there. There's been a lot of writing getting done and uh, a lot of hanging out in a pool, which is all you can really hope for in life and towards the end of summer as everything winds down and all of the students come back. Which, in our town of five universities, is a little bit uh, terrifying. So when I was there, um, a lot of stuff got finished up. I am, barring edits, which I'm sure will happen, done writing Fraggle Rock. The four-issue miniseries uh, comes out in October. And, yeah, I I mean, the first issue isn't even in print yet, and I'm finished writing the series. Um, I I mentioned it before, but I mentioned (laughs) it's worth mentioning again that never get into comics if you don't have patience, because it is a very strange thing. To be finished a project and for it not to exist yet. So I finished that. Edward Scissorhands number three is wrapped up. Bravest Warriors 27 is finished. They're all being drawn. And uh, I got kind of all of that done. And on top of Comic Alliance and on top of the podcast and on top of every other friggin' thing I seem to be overextending myself with, I decided to start a new comic because why not? <laughs> it doesn't have a name yet and it needs one. And I'm polling people constantly to figure it out because it has to be something Halloween or spooky related, but I don't want to tie it in too seasonally because I do still want people to read it at other times of the year. Um, Basically, it's about a a fictional small town full of ghosts and goblins and aliens. There's there's sci-fi stuff in there too. Um, There's going to be magic. There's going to be witches. And um, it all kind of starts with a bunch of these characters going to a party and something is stolen and this sort of core crew of characters has to go and find it. And as they do it, we sort of come to, you know, get to know this this town. And I've got a bunch of it written. Um, two of the pages are up now on my website, probably more by the time this podcast comes out. Um, and that's exciting. It's been forever since I did something that was kind of just for me. You know, writing so many licensed properties and doing work for so many other people is awesome and a really cool experience. But you know, I, I had this talk with, um, with Steve McNiven, who's an artist from Marvel and a local guy and incredibly nice, a while ago at a convention in Moncton where he, you know, really stressed the importance of taking time to do your own work. And it really stuck with me. I thought about it a lot. And, you know, I, I, I bring it up every now and again, too, because it, it's one of those things, you know, somebody just says something and you just can't stop knocking it around in your head. And that's what this has been like. So, you know, it, it Aside from that, when I was staying with my friends, um, Jeffrey Rowland, who is the owner of Topatico, the guy, well, he runs it, but he's also a webcomic artist and someone whose work I've been reading for a decade. 
started a new comic and it's sweet and it's simple. And I looked at it and thought like, you know, man, I got to do this. I got to get back in the game. And I don't really feel like being overpersonal right now. And I don't really feel like doing autobiographical stuff. So if you are interested in fun stories about ghosts and bats and a sandworm going to a party, <laughs> you should check it out. Maybe it'll have a name. <laughs> um, we are gearing up now, everyone in the industry, for New York Comic Con. And I'll talk about it more as we get closer to it. But the show is going to be nuts for me. Uh, we're debuting Fraggle Rock. It comes out the day before on October 8th, which is the same day that the new Batgirl launches, as well as Scott Snyder's new series, Witches, which I think is going to be really cool. <laughs> Witch thing. Oh, boy. Um, so if you're coming to New York for that show, I am going to be there uh, signing Fraggle Rock. I'll be there with Boom. And um, I'm sure I will also be at IDW for what I think are going to be advanced copies of Edward Scissorhands because it doesn't come out till the end of October. So that's really cool. I can't believe that that is going to exist. <laughs> and then I can be like, hey, I read Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> Still freaks me out. Earlier in the week on the Tuesday in New York, I am going to be participating in something called Shipwrecked, which is a collective that uh, performs once a month where they pick a book and then different authors uh, of either, you know, books or comics or, or just fan fiction will, yeah, pick a character or a scenario from a book and everyone writes an erotic short story based on that character or scenario. And in this version, the book is Watchmen and the person reading them all is Cecil Baldwin from Night Vale. So if you would like to hear a very inappropriate story that I'm going to write about a character from Watchmen, uh, you should check that out. It's called Shipwrecked. I'm going to say that's pretty much all I've been up to lately. I've kind of been in a work cave, um, finishing a lot of stuff for Night Vale. There's going to be new merch coming up soon, as well as doing some more of uh, my own stuff. And uh, yeah, I am going to Memphis in like five days. Life is crazy. Here are some comics I like. What is I start this segment by saying I'm behind on my comics, and I, for once, I'm kind of not. I've been reading a lot, and although I have been reading prose novels, which, um, for those of you who don't know, are books without pictures, it's weird for me. I, I don't say that as if you're dumb. It's just very uh, different. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the break. I'm enjoying shaking it up a little bit, but obviously I'm interspersing it with comics. I got, as part of a Kickstarter that I will uh, talk to Jeff Jacks about later, this book, Nothing is Forgotten by Ryan Andrews. I contributed to this a while ago, and um, it's a collection of four of his short stories that he has previously published online. Now, before I get into what the book's about, I don't know that you can actually buy it. I was looking at this earlier, and it, since it was a Kickstarter book, I mean, it might be available if a shop, you know, ordered some, but you can find his comics online at ryan-a.com. Uh, if you haven't heard of him, you might be familiar with a comic he did called Sarah and the Seed, which is basically about an old couple who live in this really big home and have kind of given up on the uh, possibility of having children because the wife is barren. And yet, by surprise, one morning she wakes up to find she's pregnant and gives birth to a seed. Uh, some very strange things happen. It's very spooky. Ryan's stuff reminds me a lot of Emily Carroll, uh, who I love. And so... You know, it's 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 in that same kind of genre of 
weird, charming horror or things that are just very eerie, but not actually like you know, they're not they might not give you nightmares. They're not that scary. <laughs> Um, Ryan stuff, the, the four stories in this book are all spooky and weird. It's all black and gray with red tones and it's a really good fall book. So even if you aren't able to find a physical copy, you should check out his website. That's again, ryan-a.com. On the total other end of the spectrum, Sisters came out, the newest book from Raina Telkemeyer, who is the creator, author, illustrator of two other books, Drama and Smile. The Sisters is a follow-up to Smile, which was an autobiographical book she did about her youth growing up with orthodonture and hormones. (laughs) And this book is about her relationship with her uh, younger sister. And it's really good and really sweet and provided for me the nicest moment I've had in comics in the last three weeks when a little girl came in on Wednesday morning, the day it came out, the second the door opened at my comic shop, absolutely out of her mind, vibrating giddy to get a copy of this book. She's like eight. And it was great. You know, uh, Raina has done amazing things with her books. And, you know, she's a constant bestseller. And she makes these totally sweet books for kids. And I love them too. You know, There's something about something that really is all ages. So check out Sisters, and if you don't want to, um, give it to someone small, because they will probably really like it. (laughs) Coming back to uh, adult material, um, a lot of new books from Image recently, but The Fade Out totally uh, is... (laughs) The Fade Out's awesome. (laughs) Why am I trying to find a way to describe it? The Fade Out is the newest series from Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, the creative team behind Fatal and the Criminal series. And uh, it's a Hollywood murder mystery, you know, very old world glam, kind of golden age. Uh, the one thing about it, you know, they, they've they really stuck to the idea of or stuck to the code of uh, it enacting things accurately, by which I mean there's a lot of sexism and anti-Semitism. And they, they do make a note about it at the end of the issue to say that they are trying to represent it the time period accurately. And, and I get that, but it is a little shocking to read sometimes. The same way as the first time you watch Mad Men, you're like, oh my God, these people are horrible. <laughs> but the book is really great. It's really beautiful. Um, definitely if you like noir, pulpy stuff, check it out. Um, they've brought on Elizabeth Breitweiser as the colorist, which uh, she was brought on for Fatal, and her stuff is really beautiful. And she's, she's definitely among my favorite colorists in the business. So I'm excited to see her doing more stuff. Sex Criminals continues to be awesome. Uh, number seven came out recently, and uh, it's it's definitely a little lighter than issue six. Issue six definitely dealt with some dark stuff, although it was amazing. <laughs> and I bring it up also because this past weekend in Toronto was Fan Expo, which is a really big uh, pop culture gaming comic convention. And <laughs> Chip Starsky, who's the artist on Sex Grimoires and a dear friend, set up uh, Zdarscon, which was, <laughs> as far as I can tell a rolling platform on which he had a throne, a table for his Eisner, and a stack of books. He was also doing sketches. I love him. I love Matt Fraction. I love how unabashedly weird they are, and I love that that happened. So, you know, if you haven't checked out Sex Criminals again, first book's only 10 bucks. Just do it. Just do yourself a favor, man. Issue 7 has an iron throne made of dildos in it. I don't know how to sell it better than that. It's so great. (laughs) Buy it when you buy sisters. Have people look at you sideways. It happened to me. Um, 
Last one is Saga. Number 22 just came out. Uh, the series continues to be incredible. Um, there's an amazing two-page spread in this book, which as far as I can remember might be the first two-page spread. They have a lot of one-page, um, you know, splash pages in the book that are shocking and, and strange. But this one, I was reading it in a car and just went like, holy shit, out loud. <laughs> I love when comics do that to me, and Saga does that to me on a regular basis. So, yeah, if you're not reading it, star-crossed lovers in space, aliens, it's sexy, it's dirty, it's weird. Just try it. I have picked up a bunch of comics recently that I haven't gotten into yet, although they look really awesome. Supreme Blue Rose by Warren Ellis and Tula Lotte is, as far as I can tell, a reinvention of an older image character that Rob Liefeld was uh, involved with. But... The art on this is crazy. My friend Jordan Gibson, who is an awesome cartoonist in his own right and an amazing colorist uh, for Marvel. You know, he did some stuff with Original Sins. Um, Yeah, Jordan. Hi, Jordan. You rule. He introduced me to this when I was staying in Boston. And if you were a fan of the art on Pretty Deadly, if you like things like Emma Rios, you should definitely check this out. It's absolutely beautiful. I don't know right away if it is digital or traditional media, but um, it's just, it's really cool, kind of watercolory stuff, and uh, seems like a pretty awesome female protagonist. I'm, I'm excited to check it out. The new Bob's Burgers comic just started, and I'm really into Bob's Burgers. <laughs> I've just kind of been powering through the first few seasons on and off, um, in between rewatching all of Gravity Falls, because I have a life. And uh, this this comic is sort of an anthology. It's a collaborative effort from a bunch of the creators from the actual show, which is cool. Um, so even throughout the issue, there are a bunch of short stories and the styles are fairly different, even though it's clearly, you know, the, the people working on the show. So that looks great. I have a lot of friends who read it and said it was a lot of fun. You should check it out. Wayward just started from Jib Zub and Steve Cummings. Uh, it's a new image title. The teen girl vampire monsters set in Japan, so clearly targeted at my interests. It's been getting a lot of press, had a lot of really cool variant covers, and uh, Jim Zub's a good friend, and I like his writing a lot, so I'm looking forward to checking that out. The Valkyries are pretty enthusiastic about it, and they seem to they have pretty good taste. <laughs> the Little Nemo Return to Slumberland series by Eric Shanower and Gabriel Rodriguez just started. Gabriel Rodriguez was the artist on Lock and Key and one of my favorite artists in the business. His work is so complex and beautiful, and this book is astonishing to look at. I haven't actually sat down and read the whole thing, but I've flipped through it a bunch of times. It's gorgeous, and it's so strange to see him drawing something so colorful and bright. Um, Little Nemo, I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain, is now public domains. So there's a lot of adaptations being made, but you know, this is an awesome team and the just the panel design and the just the way everything is laid out and the characters and everything. And Gabriel's incredible. So definitely check that out. Uh, the new Storm series by Greg Pak and Victor Ibanez looks really awesome. I read the, half of the first issue and then I had to go catch a plane. <laughs> but it continues this awesome tradition or, well, new tradition of Marvel releasing really cool female-fronted female-friendly titles. Storm looks really tough. She's got her mohawk. It's just, it's kind of, you know, it's all these characters that I wanted to read and I wanted to get into, but it's so hard to find a place to start. And with all these new series with Black Widow and and with Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel, you can just pick it up and you can get into this character or this story or this idea that 
you know, you don't have to have been reading X-Men for 20 years. And, and I really applaud them for doing that and, you know, trying new stuff and, and making it interesting. And so, yeah, that looks really cool. Definitely, if you're picking up a bunch of the Lady Marvel titles like She-Hulk and, and all the others that I mentioned, uh, Ad Storm. It's two issues in, and it's awesome. She's so sweet. Rabbit Warren asks, how is it working on licensed properties like Bravest Warriors, Edward, etc.? Do you ever feel restricted with what you can and cannot do? Um, This is a really interesting question and and one that I kind of hope to talk about more on panels and stuff like that over the next year. Um, So much of what I do these days is adapting licensed properties. Um, Fraggle Rock, you know, Edward Scissorhands, Adventure Time, Bravest Warriors. Um, And it's really neat to me because... You're taking these worlds that are kind of already built, right? And they have this set cast and they have this set logic and, and this, you know, this chronology and this history. And you have to, you know, take use that sandbox and use those tools and build something new and build something interesting. And I think, you know, I, I, I did this comic on Comics Alliance recently about how much I love the Josie and the Pussycats movie. And I've been thinking a lot about it lately because... That movie, to me, is this example of taking a licensed property that could have been garbage. I mean, it's Josie and the Pussycats. It's it's teen girl band. And and as much as I love Archie Comics and I love Josie and all that kind of stuff, they could have made a terrible, dumb, throwaway teen movie about it. And instead, they made this thing that was was weird, really meta, I mean, totally self-referential, like addressing the weirdness and and (laughs) convoluted marketing of of the music industry and of pop culture. And... and, uh, and I love that. I love that someone, you know, I guess the crew of people decided to take this thing, to adapt this thing and to make it something great. So when I am, am taking a property like Bravest Warriors, you know, it, I could just kind of fill in the blanks. I mean, like, oh, they're in space. They're going to fight this monster. It wraps up. It's the end. You know, Edward Scissorhands, was, he's lonely and sad and he has scissors and some people don't understand him. And that's the end. But you want to you want to build something new with it. You want to give people a reason to read it, not just because they like the property, but because it's a good story. And you want it to be fun and you want it to be original. So <laughs> I think subconsciously, I've always sort of looked at that as as the marker, of, as the milestone for me of, of what you can do with something that doesn't seem like it has that much potential. So, you know, you're limited in, in its in your own way by you can't like, you know, kill certain characters. You can't make them do certain things. But if you get creative, you can introduce, you know, new characters and new circumstances and new challenges and make it better and make it fun and make it something that people who aren't even familiar with the property might like and read and enjoy. And that means a lot to me. You know, it means a lot when people read my Adventure Time book, Seeing Red, and don't really know about Adventure Time and still really like it and try to make it new reader friendly and try and make it accessible. So that's my answer for that. At Dustin Dangley asks, I'm inspired by your success. Thank you very much, Dustin. Justin? Dustin. (laughs) Could you share how you work? Workspace settings, must-haves, tools, productivity quirks? Um, For writing, I can work pretty much anywhere. The best places that I work are either in my office with the internet turned off, at someone else's house with the internet turned off, or on a plane where there's no internet. (laughs) It's it's pretty clear to see what the unifying factor is. Um, 
yeah, when I write, I can't have distraction and I'm really bad at letting distraction get to me. I will sit my phone next to me saying I'm not going to look at it and I'm definitely not going to check Twitter, but I do. So (laughs) when I have a deadline, when I actually need to finish the script, um, I have to turn everything off and I have to kind of go into the zone. Um, my workspace is not always the cleanest, but if it's actually dirty, like with you know food products and empty plates and stuff, I can't, I find it so distracting that I can't work. So my best work I get done at night um, when my office is clean and when nobody's home and when it is grave-like silent. Um, the difference is when I draw, um, when I'm penciling at a comic, if I'm scripting at the same time as I'm penciling, I can't have any music. But the second I switch to inking and the second I switch to coloring and editing, I have to have music or podcasts or background noise or I feel like I'm going crazy. And it really is instant. And as soon as I pick up a pen as opposed to a pencil and I go into that process, I have to turn music on. And it's, it's didn't it, it took me a while to figure out that that matter, it's the same as, you know, it took me a while to figure out that I can't write in the mornings. I can only write at night, although I can draw pretty much whenever. So, yeah, it, 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 I think it's the same for anybody. You just kind of have to figure out what works for you and what works for your space and when your actual productive hours are. Um, it, it can be a struggling process. But once you get it, you know, it's, it's really useful to have a space that makes you feel productive. It makes you feel good and, and isn't really distracting. The Schweeb asks, uh, what writer or writers, comics or otherwise, have influenced you in your work? And um, when it comes to writing, I think there's a lot of people. I sidetrack the story. Um, I went to the Eric Carle Museum last week, and Eric Carle is a very famous children's illustrator and writer. And he did, you know, The Very Hungry Caterpillar and things like that. And I was really into kids' books growing up, and my mom and I were really heavy readers. We went to the library all of the time. I devoured stuff at a rate that the librarian knew my name, which I was really proud of. (laughs) You know, and I loved everything. I I read everything. I read Chronicles of Narnia. I read all the Roald Dahl books. I read every piece of supernatural witchy fiction I could possibly get my hands on. And I'm coming back around to that lately because I met Uh, when I was recently in uh, Massachusetts staying with some friends, I met a bunch of young adult fiction writers, uh, including Holly Black, who did the Spiderwick Chronicles. And I'm starting to look into that kind of stuff again and just how much I loved it and how much it meant to me. You know, and there's a lot of books that I've read as an adult that I've really enjoyed, but that stuff that you read between the ages of like six and 13, you know, when you read Matilda for the first time or when you read Harry Potter or for me, a series of unfortunate events was huge. (laughs) I love that series more than pretty much anything. And um, so I'm starting to kind of get back into that stuff now and realizing that that's more of what I want to do, you know? So as as far as writers that I got into later in life, um, and especially in comics, I mean, I'm a really big fan, really big fan of Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue DeConnick. Um, I talk about them all the time, and they are really great. I love Matt Fraction's writing, and I, I think it's so much fun, especially on his independent stuff. Uh, I'm a Neil Gaiman junkie. I love all of Brian K. Vaughn's comics. Um, there are, you know, there's not a huge list of writers that I will pretty much pick up anything that they put out. But, you know, those people working in comics and any any Lemony Snicket book, I'll, I'll get. <laughs> it's, you know, I, I bounce around and I read a lot of different stuff. I was really into um, Carl Hassan and uh, Christopher Moore growing up, reading those weird, uh, <laughs> those weird humor books. And 
so yeah, I guess it's kind of all over the place. I don't have a set genre or a set style that I read, but man, do I love kids' books and especially um, you know children's poets. I think that stuff stuck with me more than anything. Shel Silverstein and, and Jack Perlutsky, and they came up a lot when I was writing Fraggle Rock because I wanted to write con- I wanted to write songs and I wanted to write poems into that, and so I thought about them quite a bit while I was working on it and revisited a lot of those books and that was really awesome and and that's kind of the headspace that I'm in now just wanting to make more stuff for kids (laughs) now let's take a short break while I coerce you politely to help me get my cat gold-plated and lowered Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, where you can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash less than live. There are approximately 1 billion titles to choose from for whichever media device suits your fancy. Don't quote me on that number. There are a lot. Overwhelmed by choices? Listen, I got you. The BBC radio production of Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere, which is awesome, is now available on Audible. I'm talking James McAvoy, Christopher Lee, Anthony Head, who was Giles, by the way, and Natalie Dormer. You know how I feel about Natalie Dormer. It's an awesome recording, and with our trial, it's free. You can't argue with that price. Just head to audibletrial.com forward slash less than live and let those beautiful accents take you away. Kate's gonna interview you. Kate's gonna interview you now. She's gonna ask questions. Kate's gonna interview you. Kate's gonna interview you now. This is the interview section. So today we are talking to Jeff Jacks, the creator of webcomic Questionable Content, which a lot of you probably know or are especially tuning in to hear about. Um, Jeff's a really good friend of mine and a fellow member of Tapatico, our weird, cool merch company, and uh, someone that I got tattoos with last week. Uh, Hi, Jeff. Hello. Hi. How are you? (laughs) I'm pretty good. So I heard you got a new uh, tattoo yesterday. Yeah, I got another tattoo yesterday, like... Once you get started, you kind of, I kind of get on a roll sometimes. I mean, I say I heard that, but I, I mean, I saw it on Twitter, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel the same way. I'm just like, as soon as I got home, I was like, I need more. I know. I want, I want another one and then more <laughs> after that. And then, and then suddenly it's 10 years later and you're covered in shit like we are. Yeah, exactly. It's really bad. Cause I'll go these months at a time where I'm just not getting any. And then, yeah, as yeah, soon as yeah. I go in. I'm on the train. Exactly. <laughs> so um, I should ask first uh, off, um, what are you up to these days? I know you're doing so much stuff that Kickstarter happens, band stuff, music stuff, comic stuff. Um, what's what's new? Well, the newest thing is uh, I'm gearing up to actually launch a new comic strip that's going to run alongside QC. Um, that's what I started my Patreon campaign for uh, a couple months ago. And we are kind of entering the final stages of preparation for that. I might actually sit down and draw the first comic for that this afternoon. God, that's awesome. So, yeah, it's both awesome and a little terrifying. It's <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, you know, kind of one of those, like, I want to say almost traditional newspaper strip guys where you have your one comic that you stick to for years and years and years. So right. the idea of starting a new strip is is very different to me. And I'm like, wow, this is super weird and I'm not sure what I'm doing yet, but I know it'll all come together once I actually sit down and start drawing it. 
Because how long has been questionable content been going? Oh, God, like 11 years and change now. I think it turned 11 August 1st. So, yeah. And that's every weekday? Yep, every Monday through Friday. So is this new comic going to be daily as well? Oh, God, no. No, <laughs> no, no. I'm not, I'm not that crazy. I'm, I, my plan is to have no official update schedule at first, but aim for two times a week and see if I can sustain that. Yeah, that seems pretty then, reasonable. Yeah. Cause that's what I did with QC starting out too. Like I, back when I had like a real job and stuff, I, I didn't know how often I could update. So I started off at two times a week that started feeling like really easy. So I switched to three. And then when I lost that day job, I made the switch to five days a week. And that's when <laughs> it kind of became my job. It's kind and, of crazy how those things yeah. will happen either as an intentional choice or just like, Oh shit, now I need to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, been crazy to me to watch over the years the number of people who have been able to make it an intentional choice rather than an oh shit I need to make rent for this month and I don't have a job yeah so that's that's been a big change over the years which is cool and really exciting I think mine's been the most gradual like I quit my day job one one day a week at a time yeah <laughs> until you're finally tearing it down yes and now I work there like twice a month mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's really exciting so um what is it going to be about uh, well, it's going to be, it's hard to give too much away about the plot without spoiling the first story. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's going to be much more overtly sci-fi than QC is, which is kind of saying something since there are a lot of little robots running around everywhere. But, yeah, but it's still kind of, I mean, it's pretty based yeah, in a, it, in a real yeah, world. And, and QC has always been more about like the, the interpersonal relationships of everybody, but this one is going to be much more about the setting and and the sci-fi aspects of that setting. So we'll find out a lot about it in the first story. And that's another big change I'm making. Whereas QC is very much like a day-to-day, -day, like, oh, what am I doing today? Mm -hmm. I'll write a comic and then draw it. This one, I'm trying to think much more in terms of like overall arcs, almost <laughs> like a comic book series. Um, oh, cool. So I'm, I'm trying to think more in, in terms of discrete stories and like chapters in a way. So... That's one of the reasons I hesitate to say too much about it. The other reason is because I don't know what I'm doing yet. Right. Yeah, I get I've, that. I've got it like pared down to two or three different ideas, and I'll probably just pick one and start drawing, and then that'll be what it is. So. But you have you know a cast kind of figured out. And... Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got like three or four of the main characters already like figured out, and I'm very much like an exploratory writer. Like I, I enjoy discovering things as I go. So I have very rough sketches in my head about like who they are and what they're about. And then that'll get fleshed out as I do the comic. That's awesome. I'm really excited about that. It's neat to, to start a new project. I mean, when I, you know, I was staying with uh, Jeffrey Rowland, uh, right, runs yeah. to Patico. <laughs> I say that for the benefit of people listening. Obviously, you know who Jeffrey yeah. is. Um, but uh, Jeffrey Rowland? <laughs> I know. From Tapatico, oh, which was no. crazy for me because, I mean, I've been reading his comics since I was in junior high because I'm a child. Um, and Babies, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm a baby. <laughs> Which was, and I didn't tell him until like six days into me staying there. <laughs> it's just Hilarious. like, oh, by the way, I'm a really big fan. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, I mean, he just started a new comic too, Iverly, which is really yeah. cool because he hasn't really done that in a long time. And, you know, you're starting something new. And I think it's really cool. I think, you know, these long running web comics are obviously really awesome. And it's, it's so fun to have something that you can spend like days and days and days catching up on if you haven't right. found it. But. But I like people starting new things, and, and that's, you know, that'll be really cool. And I like that you're going in yeah. a totally different direction with it. 
yeah i want i want my new thing to be really crazy so i'm aiming for crazy and we'll see is it going to be probably... kind of the same format as questionable content in terms of like the way it's laid out yeah, I think I've been really happy with the switch to like a five by seven page that I made about, I don't know, six months to a year ago in QC. So I think I'm going to stick to that just because I, it gives me a lot more freedom and then it'll be really easy to put into books. And now that putting comics into books is a thing that I do, it's something that I have to be aware of. So, yeah, yeah. it's it's definitely easier that way, I think. Yeah. You know, I've been looking at all this kind of stuff to to for doing things on my own. And that's one of the things that I never did when I started making comics. It's just like, oh, what format do I feel like today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's the internet, so you can do whatever you feel like. It's right. like, oh, yeah, I want to do 60 panels in a big square. And yeah. It's fine. And it, yeah, and then you try and put it together, and it's a complete nightmare. Yeah. Oh, God, tell me about it. Like, my... My comic for years and years was these four panels in, like, a really tall and skinny format, which is perfect for the internet. And then awful 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 for putting it into books yeah. so we've had to we've had to actually change the format of my books to like better fit them over the years mm -hmm. so that was definitely a struggle the one thing that i'm really also curious about i mean from my own standpoint and i think that it's neat to talk about is patreon in general mm -hmm. i mean this has only existed for not even a year right yeah well i i feel like yeah i mean john rosenberg was the first webcomic guy to kind of jump on that train i feel like it might have been around for a little bit before that but mm -hmm. it's definitely it's definitely really taken off in the past year or so, so yeah it's become pretty much the standard and you know to to describe it for people who don't know patreon is a service where people can almost subscribe financially to a webcomic or um or say that they're going to support it month to month for a certain dollar amount. So, you know, if you read the comic, you either pay a certain amount of money a month or a certain amount of money every time it updates. Is that correct? Yeah. And the the actual creator decides whether it's per month or per update. So it's it. Uh, the per month is generally good for people who update a lot like me. Mm -hmm. Per update is generally good for people who only update, you know, maybe once or twice a week at most, like, say, Erica Moen's Oh, yeah. Sex Toy. That's what I was thinking of because I figured hers yeah. was probably per update. Yeah, and she does quite well with that. That's as far, like, that's, you know, how it seems to me. And it's a really, it's it's it seems almost strange to me that this hasn't existed before. Because it seems like this totally new way of mm -hmm. for webcomics people to have a dependable financial income, which, you know, I mean, outside of merch and, and book sales has not really existed. Yeah. And it's really funny. Like, I don't know if you were even around for the whole debate about micropayments and stuff <clears throat> with Scott McCloud way back in, you know, the early 2000s. No, it was before my but, time. But yeah, like we... You, we've basically been talking about something like Patreon for the entirety of my career. And everybody's always been like, Oh, it'll never work. It'll never work. And people had tried things involving like micropayments, which is really what Patreon is. And they, and nothing ever really took off. But I think what it took was the success of Kickstarter to get the public in the right mindset for something like Patreon to then come along and make sense. It kind of had to be in the right place at the right time. And I think we're finally now in that spot, which is why we're seeing Patreon do so successfully for so many people. It seems really neat. And like, I'm so curious about it. And it, it almost in a way kind of makes me and I'm sure it's, it's the same for a lot of people um, consider doing that kind of a thing, like an ongoing, regularly updating webcomic where you can go, hey, you know, I can I have an audience. I could 
do this and maybe yeah, actually sure. rely on that, which has not been an option because, I mean, you know, previously, if you were to to launch something like that, I mean, before you can be selling T-shirts or merchandise or whatever, it has to have been going for a very, very long time. But I'm seeing people launch comics with Patreons. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And, and they do just fine. I think it's so much easier to get a dollar out of a person than it is to get $15 out of a person. Yeah. That- even if it's even if it adds up to fifteen dollars over the course of fifteen months, it's still so much less of an initial investment that it's it's a lot less intimidating for even more casual readers. So mm-hmm. I think that's it's really helpful. And then the really hardcore readers are the people who want to contribute anyway because man, they really want to help you out. You know, they <laughs> want to give you ten dollars a month. You know, and that's super awesome. That's like the best thing. So. And I, I think it's really neat too, especially for and and I mean I, I talked to the guys over at Topatico about this too about how the market for certain kinds of merchandise is kind of oversaturated. You know, there's only mm-hmm. so many T-shirts you can sell. Yeah, and people who want to support you are going to buy your merch, but maybe they just want to support you and they don't really want any more stuff or you know they have everything (laughs) yeah having everything is definitely like a problem that i have run into in the past where uh, you know i'll I'll be at a convention or something and somebody will come by and they'll be like oh i have all four of your books so (laughs) um hi yeah (laughs) well and i mean i've had that so cool but at the same time like what can i do for you like (laughs) please let me do something for you it's really cool that people are that supportive yeah it's great it's I mean, it's a it's a lucky and a pretty awesome community to have that. And, yeah. you know, it's it's one of those things, the same with Kickstarter that I think as soon as Patreon launched for webcomics, people immediately got on the defensive of like, oh, well, it's only going to la- it can only support so many comics. And it's, yeah, yeah, it'll only that, be so long before it stops working. But that classic argument that we live in some sort of closed ecosystem, um, <laughs> which people uh, I guess it's like a natural assumption to make the the idea that there's like this set number of people, a set population of people who read web comics. But man, it's so not true. Like we all have our own little ecosystem and there's a lot of crossover, but it's not a zero sum game in any way, which is probably the best part of it about the whole thing from a, a business standpoint. And it's changing all the time. And I mean, you know, I have a relatively small audience, but I still get all the time people tweeting me or messaging me saying, you know, I just found your comic. I just Mm -hmm. started reading it today. And, and, you know, it's like, oh, well, it's been going for like three years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so there's people who will fall off and new people who will come to it. And I think a system like that is totally going to support something like Patreon. Yeah, totally. And, you know, so on average, I know there's like different amounts that people can can pledge or donate per Uh month but is it a lot of people at kind of the the dollar amount or the five dollar amount right now i think it's a lot of people between one and five dollars it's it's a little bit over three thousand patrons a month for me right now which is huge that's crazy um and i'm currently making about nine thousand dollars a month off of it so it's about three dollars a patron (laughs) sorry that's crazy (laughs) yeah no it's, it's this insane number that you know yeah it, it's you know it, it hasn't doubled my income but it's been a significant improvement especially during like the slower summer months when everybody's out having fun instead of reading web comics yeah so or really when you're not going to conventions and kind of making money that way 
Yeah, exactly. It's nice to have that supplemented. That's crazy. I mean, yeah, I, it, feels, I haven't... it feels really weird to be like talking about how much money I'm making, but it's all <laughs> right there on the site. So yeah. there's no to be like secretive about it. It's like, yeah, that's how much money I'm making off of Patreon. It's awesome. I think it's really cool. I mean, I, I'm so supportive of it and, and so interested about it and always wanting to talk to people about it because it has created this totally new way for people to support themselves in comics. And like, I'm stoked that, you know, whenever somebody new takes to it. I mean, Anthony yeah, Clark totally. just started yeah, doing just one. His. I'm excited about that. I need <laughs> so great. And, and it's really fun to like contribute to too. Like I pledged to a couple different comics that I really like and it's just neat. It feels good to be part of it. You know, you log into your Patreon thing and it's like, Oh yeah, I gave him $3 this month. I'm cool. And you legitimately feel like that. So I, I get it from both sides of the equation. It's a lot of fun. So I haven't done it yet and I want to, and I, I know so, that I, I will. Oh yeah. I'm gonna I'm definitely, definitely good, good. at least for Anthony's. <laughs> No, and there's a bunch of people I want to do it for, especially Ojoy Sex Toy, because I want all the goodies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but when, okay, so when you log in, when you are a patron, when you're, you're pledged to this monthly donation, like, what do you get? Yeah. I know it's different for everybody. Cause, like, it's different for everybody, but basically, like, there's, you log in and there's an activity page. It's almost like a Facebook feed of the various campaigns that you subscribe to. And anytime somebody posts an update, to their feed it shows up on your page and then you can click on it and check out whatever it is so if it's a bonus comic it'll just be sitting right there if it's a video about comics like uh tom Siddell from gunner creek court has been doing there'll be a link to it right there or or it might even be embedded directly i can't remember off the top of my head but like it's all right there in front of you so it's not like you have to remember like okay I pledged a dollar to Dave Willis, so I have to go to his page, and then I pledged two dollars to Tom Sedell, so I have to go to his page. It's all right there, so it's super convenient for the user. That's really neat. Yeah, because I know. I mean, I've I've been seeing different clips. Like my friend Faye has that uh, the comic at mm -hmm. Skin, and yeah. uh, they've got a really cool. You know, they're really involved in Patreon, and and it mm -hmm. seems. I think the thing that appeals to me so much about it, and I'm I'm just keep going on about patreon mostly because i'm so curious <laughs> yeah it's super interesting but um because i think you know in in my life in web comics when i was starting it it was all about trying to find the time to do comics because the rest of the time you have to be working to make income to support yeah. making the comics yeah, yeah and if you've got a patreon which i think in a lot of people's cases if they're living you know if they don't have things like mortgages and cars and stuff like that like if they have a fairly successful patreon that's going to you know, make up a lot of your income. Yeah, yeah, it can cover your rent for a month if you live in an apartment, for sure. Exactly. So instead of having to go out and work, you can do all this extra work for the Patreon and, and for yeah. your comic. Yeah. And I think it creates this space where that, you know, yeah, it really becomes your job instead of the thing you have to squeeze in between making money. Yeah, totally. And that's really neat to me. It's very cool. I think uh, as long as you're careful not to like overextend yourself and promise more than you can reasonably deliver, yeah. it's it's awesome, you know, and it's just like Kickstarter in that regard, you know, don't bite off more than you can chew and you'll be fine. So. Which also brings me to um, your Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, which was insane. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did almost exactly 14 times better than I expected it to. That is crazy. So, so yeah, tell me was, about it. It was for Death Mole. Yeah, it was for my, my, it started off as like a fictional jokey band, but then the more I started writing songs, the more fun it was. So it kind of turned into a real thing. And then 
eventually it got to the point where I had all these songs and I was like, man, I want to like record a proper album because I really like this music that I'm writing. Mm-hmm. And so I threw together, you know, a little Kickstarter thing and basically asked for like 10 grand. And then a month later I had $141,000. Wow. <laughs> and, and so suddenly I was doing like, you know, we got to add all the super cool stuff. So it's like the guy it, in the studio is like laughing and clapping at his head right now. He's yeah, just like, it's what? Ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but yeah, so we did like really, really nice vinyl. We did a cool CD. We did digital downloads. We did these amazing screen prints that my friend John Keogh drew. Uh, so all sorts of really nice goodies that we wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. And it's all going out in the mail as we speak. So it's like it's been almost a year and it's all like actually arriving in people's hands now. And it feels like so good to see pictures of it on Twitter and stuff. Like, Yeah, that's that's got to be really neat. Yeah, it's really satisfying. Like, I fave every single one I see. (laughs) It's cool. I mean, the first Kickstarter that I contributed to was my friend Ryan Andrews. And uh, I had had been a part, I mean, as I'm sure you have as well, been like a part of Kickstarters, where it's like you contribute a drawing or or something like that. But I hadn't actually contributed to one um yeah. financially and and i got that in the mail the other day and it was so exciting <laughs> you just get this little package of stuff you're like oh yeah that was six months ago <laughs> and now you have it and it's real and that's really cool yeah so um so it's it's a full album and yep. vinyl and um is it a thing that you plan to keep doing uh definitely to some extent like i don't i don't expect that the next one i do will have this you know same absurd level of success you just because I think I think a lot of it, yeah, it would be great. I wouldn't say no, but I think a lot of it, in my case, was people being like, "Oh, he's finally doing a Kickstarter. Here's some money," so <laughs> which is cool. But I, you know, I don't. I, you never know what to expect. But yeah, it's something I'll definitely do in the future, just because it was surprisingly painless. Like I, I did it through Make That Thing, which is uh, Topodico's Kickstarter fulfillment subsidiary, and they did a really good job and made it like really easy on my end. That's to awesome. pull everything together. So, yeah, I was really happy with it. Yeah, a Kickstarter feels like this crazy, monumental, impossible thing when you see the it photos of people <laughs> with the 500 boxes of books yeah, in their yeah. house or all the, the things that Spike would post about the, oh my God, the yeah. peddler ones. Just, I, was like, oh I my have God. to mail 800 books today. Yes. Yep. <laughs> it yeah. sounds insane. It can be really crazy. Uh, that Yeah, that's... That's nuts. But it's really cool. And you got to do that thing that you wouldn't have been able to do. So the, exactly. the money paid for, I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing equipment and studio time. and Yeah, and equipment, studio reporting. time, paying uh, paying my engineer, uh, paying John, the illustrator. He did, you know, the cover art and an etching on the back of one of the vinyl discs and all this crazy stuff. Mm, cool. And he, he designed guitar picks, you know, like we did all these cool little things. That's so awesome. It was really nice to be able to pay him, you know, a fair wage. Uh, on top of everything else. And then hopefully at the end of it, I'll get a nice little check from Make That Thing. So I would we'll, expect you probably did all right. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's weird to me to think, you know, because it's not like you were kickstarting a comic book. Yeah. It's not like you were doing something that was directly related to the thing that everyone knows you for. Yeah, it was just about as peripheral as you can get. Yeah, it's like if you like my comic, <laughs> do you like my aggressive yeah, how do you um, feel about instrumental death metal? Yeah. Do you like that? Because that's I, what I'm doing. And it's so funny to think of the people who would, I mean, I'm sure lots of people are really into it, but 
the people who would contribute because they like questionable content. Yeah. That crossover is, is very interesting to me. It's been really funny to like get the responses about it. People being like, I'm not even into this kind of music, but I love it. And I'm like, <laughs> that's great. But that also means that you're into this kind of music now. So that's crazy. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You're branching, you're yeah, branching out. Exactly. You're introducing people to new things. Yes. <laughs> new, very loud thing. Um, so I got a couple of Twitter questions from people, uh, yeah. if you're cool with me asking you Absolutely. those. Um, Alex Robinson, who at Twitter is at Robin and Cat, asked, uh, what do you feel like you've improved the most since you started your comic? No, sorry. Where do you feel? My grammar's terrible. Uh, um, well, and uh, what is still a challenge for you? Uh, the answer to both is the art. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, this is it's the biggest thing that I've improved. Definitely. Um, I feel like the writing in the comic has always been more or less the same. Uh, it's, it's refined itself over time. Like I use fewer words than I used to now, but it's, I feel like it's always been fairly strong for what I'm trying to do, but the art, I mean, you could go back to that first comic and see that I had no idea how to draw when I started and I kind of have an idea of how to draw now. (laughs) So, you know, it's definitely come a long way. I'm still not happy with it and I've still got a long way to go, but I feel like that's definitely where I've made the biggest strides. It's one of my favorite things, picking up a new webcomic or a, a, oh, yeah. a series like that and going back to the start and seeing how stuff has changed yeah. and how people have improved or or changed their process and their approach. And it always, like, honestly, it just makes me feel so good because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, no, in 10 years, I could improve that much. Yep, and it's true. I think people get really discouraged when they look at webcomics that are current and you know see them and go like i can't do a webcomic i can't draw that well at all yeah yeah but you go back to the start and you're like well oh well he could draw draw that well well. (laughs) i could do that that was i mean that was one of my favorite things about uh ryan peckman's first um three word phrase collection was all the comics at the beginning where he was just like figuring out how to draw yeah it looks like it's drawn on like a napkin yeah like a burger king and And it's it's still really funny but then the art gets tighter and tighter and tighter yeah, and Kate Beaton's early stuff. I mean, yeah. it's, it's one of my favorite things. So that's really cool. And like even, yeah, flip, I've flipped through all the, the questionable content books and it is neat to watch that progression. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same with everybody. So that's cool. I'm yeah. To hear. Um, James Leach, who at Twitter is at James D. Leach, uh, says, questionable content is the best. Thank you. <laughs> uh, when you introduce a new character, do you consciously pick who gets less focus as a result? <laughs> yes, I'm immediately like, you, I hate you, you're done. Goodbye. <laughs> Get out. No, um, it's typically just, uh, it's a constant balancing act. You know, I have like 30 friggin' characters in my comp. Cast. It's a really big cast. So it's really just more about who is taking up the most time in my head at any given moment. Um, I, I, I kind of go through phases, like I'll write a lot of Hanalore strips for a while, or I'll write a lot of strips about Claire, or I'll go through a phase where I just want to do robot comics for a while, and so we'll see a lot of May and Momo. And it just kind of, it comes and goes. So I feel like everybody gets their time in the end. But it's not a conscious process of saying, like, okay, I've done a lot of comics with Martin. Now it's time to shift focus to somebody else. It's more, like, just intuitive than that, I think. Yeah. Um, James posted a second question. Oh. Very greedy. Um, He says, or asks, also, can you think of a moment in the strip that was especially hard to get right? Uh, um, definitely the, the big talk between Faye and Martin, where we find out like about Faye's past and what happened to her dad and all that stuff. 
that one took a lot of uh, thought and and uh, and consideration, which I realize is a synonym for thought, but it's also a different word. Um, and also, uh, it I, it took me like two years to figure out how to include a, a trans character in my comic, Claire, because I wanted to do it, but I wanted really, really, really badly not to screw it up. And you know, I'm a straight white dude, so I'm kind of the polar opposite of of that kind of person so i it was not something that i could just say oh whatever i'll make it up as i go along and i'm sure it'll be fine because yeah. you know i would I would, <laughs> I would screw it up and i would hurt feelings and it would be bad so i did i did a lot of research and i put a lot of thought into claire before i introduced her and so far the response has been like universally positive so it seems like i'm doing an okay job and that's good that's really awesome yeah as far as i can tell it it has been too and that's really cool um it's always nice to to see that done well and respectfully and you know that somebody's put all the time into it because it is difficult you know yeah it can be like i i just i try to write her like the same way i write everybody else but at the same time being mindful of of who she is like i i always say it's it's like writing a left-handed character <laughs> like it's not it doesn't have to be the only thing that they're about like they're not constantly talking about their left-handedness but right. when you draw them in a panel they'll be holding something with their left hand not their right hand you know it's something you have to remain aware of but it doesn't have to be the focus and it arguably shouldn't be the focus of the character if you want them to be any good so that's how i treat it i think yeah it, it's definitely a delicate balance but i mean if you can do it and you can kind of hit that and do it well it's it's totally worthwhile. I mean, I'm reading Holly Black's book, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Coldest Girl in Cold Town, and there's a trans character in that. And she's, it's one of those things that it's addressed, you know, briefly enough that, that you kind of get the character a little bit more, but then it, right, it yeah. doesn't really, you know, she's just this awesome character. Yeah, um, you get that moment of, oh, okay, I get it. And yeah. then after that, it's not really a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. And and I, yeah. I read this this long sort of series of tweets that someone posted recently about you know, how to write characters like that and, and uh -huh. how it's not about that the character is is trans. You make a character and that is, you know, a facet yeah. of their, their personality. Yeah, their exactly. Life. Exactly. So, yeah, and that's cool. And it's neat that you can do that and kind of hit that note and, and try something, try and branch out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so someone who's who tweets at me every once in a while and I never really know how to say her name, Eefy, E-E-E underscore P-H-I. Uh -huh. So it's not like I'm just mispronouncing. Yep. Um, <laughs> asks, uh, after such a long time running, have you ever felt fed up with questionable content and thought of moving on to another comic? Well, I guess we kind of addressed that, but... Yeah, it's it's definitely not out of feeling fed up. Like when I started the comic, I thought it would go for maybe a year or two and then I'd get sick of it and move on. But it's been 11 years and I've still got all of these ideas. So that seems I'm like, crazy to me. I'm not, I'm not tired of it yet somehow. I don't know why, but I'm not. So you just built yeah. up a cast of like 30 characters. So you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have a lot yeah. to play with. Yeah. That's part of it. I think is the fact that like, whenever I get bored, I have some totally different thing that I can go and do for a while. It's like, I was tired of writing sad comics about Faye and her boyfriend. And so I just wrote a comic strip today about a robot threatening to mutilate the genitals of her roommate. Oh, so, you know, I did something completely different. <laughs> that's, that's, Certainly different. <laughs> yeah. So. Wow. Um, okay. Well, that was the end of my Twitter questions, but yep. um, I just wanted to. And did it on a classy note. Yes. <laughs> did on genital mutilation. Oof. That's rough. Um, 
So, okay, so the one thing that I, I kind of want to get to at this point that I always ask everybody, uh-huh. um, and and I, I need to clarify now because when I asked Babs Tar, she didn't want to answer because she said she only read manga and that doesn't count, um, which oh. is not true at all. Interesting. <laughs> well, it wasn't that she doesn't think it counts. I think she was thought that people might not think it right, counts, yeah. which is crazy because it. obviously it's, it's a comic. Um, so what the question is, really, I'm really off my game today. What comics are you reading and really liking? And this can totally branch into web comics and things like that. Uh, let's see. Lately, I've been reading uh, probably my two favorite web comics right now are uh, "Dumbing of Age" by Dave Willis, mm-hmm. which is like a kind of slice of life college drama humor web comic that I, I think is really good and really well done and endearing. And uh, "Gunner Creek Court" by Tom Sedell, which is hard to describe. Like, <laughs> yeah. The, like, I don't even know what it's, it's about these kids who go to this crazy school and there's science and magic, but it's not at all like Harry Potter. Yeah. So I don't want to say it's like, it, you can't even describe it. It's just incredibly, incredibly good. Gorgeous strip. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. Um, as far as other things, uh, in terms of like, quote, normal, unquote, comics, I've been reading Saga a lot lately. Um, my girlfriend got me into that and I've been super enjoying that. Um they have started putting out, uh, in terms of manga, they've started putting out these big, like, multi-volume omnibuses of Lone Wolf and Cub, and I've been yes. pouncing all over that because that's a classic, um, really, really cool storytelling stuff in there. Um, and, you know, the usual, Yotsubato, if you're not reading that, then you're dead inside. Uh, oh. I don't know. <laughs> It's really good. I'm dead it's, inside. You should be, I can't believe you're not reading it. It's so cute. It's All right. the cutest thing. I'll try it. Yeah, you should read it. It's I'll really try good. It. It's about a little girl named Yotsuba, and mm. she's the best. And that's all you need to know. <laughs> what does she do? She does everything. She goes to farms. She goes on a hot air balloon ride. She uh, she sleeps in really late one time. And she makes friends. Um, that's yeah. She does everything. The comic has everything. Not like that. That's everything. Yeah, not it's like everything. Fighting dragons or no, 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 no. There are no dragons. She goes to she farms. Meets, she meets a cardboard robot. Oh, named Cardbo. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Jason in the studio just said that's awesome. It's awesome. It's the best comic. <laughs> um, I do want to touch on Dumbing of Age just for a second because yeah, I've sure. actually just started checking that out. It's really good. Just because of like I started following David Willis on Tumblr ages ago and yeah. and just seeing the controversy about these oh, characters right now is yeah. so funny to me. So it's basically one of the characters was revealed to be bisexual or it's just sort of been touching on that. Yeah. He's, yeah. There are at least some feelings going on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and And people are losing their minds about it. That person could never be bisexual because it makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. There's a, for the, for the benefit of the audience, someone commented on this strip, which I think has been very tactfully dealing with this issue of like, same-sex attraction and and you know as a person who's pretty queer i'm looking at it going like oh yeah yeah, that seems pretty legit yeah and someone wrote this comment on his website (laughs) it's one of my favorites it's just like i don't want this i don't want this character this character can't be bisexual because that that makes me have to confront my own feelings (laughs) and i'm saying it in a lot nicer way than they did yeah no um really unfortunate oh my god 
Uh, it was one yeah. of the funniest things. I'm really glad that Dave somehow he like he's like a warlock. He feeds off of this stuff. It drives him. Yeah, I can't. So, I got. Yeah, I like. It would drive me up the wall. I but shut he these people down it. so fast. He loves it. Yeah, so. I can't. Oh, I can't even imagine. I just see those responses and the people that he interacts with and reacts to. I'm like, how do you do it, man? I don't know. He's just. I don't know. Something about those transformers changes a man. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it seems totally crazy. Um, yep. Well, that's really awesome. So uh, I think that's all that stuff covered. What other shows or projects are you up to in the next little while? Just so we know. Uh, let's see. Aside from the new comic, uh, I'm taking a pretty quiet fall. I, I'm not doing a few of the conventions that I normally do. So it's really just a matter of kind of getting my ducks in the row and getting started on this new thing, which should be out uh, probably towards the end of September. That's awesome. Yep. And it'll, I mean, have its own kind of... Yeah, it'll have its own domain feed. name and yeah. website and all that stuff. So, yeah. Well, that's cool. So people should follow you in the meantime to keep up yeah, with that. And join your Patreon. My comic. Yeah, join my Patreon. <laughs> Do all that stuff. Keep you in dogs. Yes. Oh, man. So many dogs. <laughs> a lot of dogs. I'm amazed we have... Well, I don't know. Maybe you've heard them on your end, but I'm surprised. Just a little bit. Every once in a while, they're just piping in. Yeah. Just to see I, what's I, up. I, yep. Just saying hi. <laughs> Um, okay, so yeah, we probably won't see you at conventions until next year. Yep, 2015. Oh, it seems nuts. I'm going to five before the 10th of November. You're insane. Have... You're completely insane. <sighs> I'm a masochist. Apparently. <laughs> All right. Um, so if people want to follow you on the internet, you are what on Twitter? I am at Jeff Jacks, J-E-P-H-J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. I have a weird name. It's always good to spell. And it's questionablecontent.com. Dot net. Dot net. Oh, ah. see? I'm the worst. <laughs> and all your Patreon info's on there, I'm guessing. Yep. Yes, cool. it is. All right. Well, thanks for talking to me, Jeff. No problem. Thanks I hope for your, I hope your new tattoo heals up well. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's still flaky. Yes. Yeah, the one I got with you peeled all at once in the course of a day. Oh. Like both the grossest <laughs> and most fun thing ever. That's disgusting. I know. It's great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, uh, have a good day, Jeff. See ya. Bye. I know that you want to the pages inside my heart. Well, that's our show. Thank you so much to Jeff for coming on. I'm off to Memphis Comic Expo uh, on September 13th, which is coming up real soon. The Dublin International Comic Expo on September 27th and 28th, where on the evening into the 29th, I get to celebrate my birthday in Ireland. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> uh, just a short time later, I'm going to be at New York Comic Con, which I talked about before, but you should be there because it's going to be fun. In the meantime, rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. That'd be really nice. If you like the show and want to keep the flood water from rising up past our knees, it's getting pretty bad, consider donating on villagesoundcast.com. It'd be nice. I mean, like, whatever, but no pressure. If you've got questions or want more, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter at LTLcast, and get show notes after every episode on lessthanlivecast.tumblr.com. I'll miss you.
Did you know I've been staring at you this whole time? This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. Yep. Afternoon drunk. <laughs> I'm a professional. <laughs>